0: Hi everyone, you are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. I want to go deeper in my relationship with God. I want to go deeper in the Word of God. I want to go deeper in understanding more about God. Have you ever said anything like that before? Or have you ever heard anybody say something like that before? It sounds really good, and it sounds really spiritual, and it sounds like a good thing to say, and that's because it is. We should want to go deeper, but the problem with this idea of going deeper is that it's really relative, because we could ask and take a poll of what does that mean to go deeper, and I guarantee you we would get different answers to that question all throughout this room. Some people think that going deeper means that we're going to learn more about ancient Jewish customs. We're going to learn about how they did things back then so we could better understand what the Bible means when it says this or that. And to some, they would interpret that knowledge and that pursuit as going deeper. Some people, going deeper means, oh, we need to understand like what these Greek words mean and these Aramaic words, and these Hebrew words, and like the numerology and all of that. And we need to understand uh, what does the temple showbread represent and all of these different elements of the tabernacle, all of these things that we think Make us go deeper because we learn those types of nuances in scripture. Or maybe to some, it's like prophetic. We need to learn more about prophecy. We need to learn more about what, you know, was uh, Daniel talking about when he was describing his statue and all of these things of his vision. What does it mean in the book of Revelation when it says this imagery or that symbolism? What does all of that mean? And some people go, Yeah, learning more about that, that's how we go deeper in scripture. To some people, going deeper means I'm having a great greater encounter with God where, you know, my goosebump intensity increases. You know, like I'm getting the feels in worship, or I'm getting the feels in a sermon, or I'm getting the feels in a gathering, and I'm having these great encounters and experiences with God. That's going deeper. And all of these things are ways that people would answer that question of what it means to actually Go deeper, and people are saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm tired of surface level. Right? I want to go, I want to go deeper. But what does that actually mean? To go deeper, what would God define going deeper as? And I'm going to give us an anchoring statement here to answer this question. Oh boy, going deeper in Christ it requires change. Oh man, that's hard. I don't like it. Because it challenges me. Because church was never intended to be a gathering of spectators. It was never intended to be this thing that Jesus died on the cross for so his disciples could gather together, call themselves the church, a congregation, a a gathering, a body, and then independently act as individuals and just pursue their own means. No, that's not what Jesus died for when he talked about this idea of church. Francis Chan says that church should be more like a gang. And if you think about it, um, that's actually a really good illustration. Because he said, you know, no one goes to gang. Not like, hey, mom, I'm going to gang today. Uh, Hey, I'm going to go hang out at gang. And then you walk out after hanging out with your gang buddies and going, hey, gang was really good today, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought so, you know. The leader said some really good things at gang today. We did some really good things. No, you don't go to gang. You are in a gang. You're a part of it. It's something that's a part of your identity, and it fuels your activity. It fuels your relationships. It gives you this thing that you belong to and you're a part of and you're a piece of. And Chan also contrasts that illustration with the idea that a lot of people don't treat church like that communal gang, instead they treat it like a movie theater to where we all go into one building to have one shared experience, they lower the lights, we see what happens on stage or on a screen, and then we may or may not know some people in the room, it's a little awkward, you know. but after it's over we all get up and we may talk and interact with people and say, hey, wasn't that good? Yeah, that was good, I liked this part, I liked that part, and then we leave essentially and move on with the rest of our day and with our lives. So many people treat church like that, When it's not supposed to be just this shared experience with strangers in a dimly lit room. That's not what God calls church. That's not what the Bible defines as church. But so many people have this confusing idea of what does this community, this life in the church actually look like? And what does going deeper actually look like? Because if you aren't conforming more to the image and the likeness of Christ, then you're not going deeper You're just gaining more knowledge. A holy pursuit of knowledge should be to apply it so we can grow in Christ. Scripture says we are to walk out our own faith with fear and trembling. There's this thing that we're supposed to continually be growing in sanctification. I should not be the same. There has to be this peace where the knowledge and information that I gain causes transformation in me. Otherwise, pursuing knowledge without implementing change is simply vanity. It's simply me wanting just to be the smartest person in the room or the most spiritual or have the most understanding. No, it has to require that I actually do something different with my life or lay my ideas down at the feet of Jesus. It should lead me to repentance. It should lead me to loving God more. It should lead to me changing and reorienting and reordering my priorities. It should lead to me having a greater love for other people. It should lead to a greater pursuit of unity, a greater Level of selflessness and sacrifice. It should cause some sort of transformation on the inside of me, not just for my knowledge base to be expanded, so I can be really, really proficient and good at Bible trivia. And you always want that person on your team because they know a lot, right? Because what is the fruit of one's life who is pursuing knowledge? We need to evaluate that in our own hearts and in our own lives. Because so many of us right now are thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. I really need to get this information to this person or that person. God is wanting us to evaluate our lives no matter what we may know and what we may have heard before. So what is going deeper? Going deeper is really taking the things you know and putting them into practice. That's truly going deeper in Christ. Because I guarantee you the average Christian knows a lot more than what they actually do. If we looked at how much do we actually know about grace? How much do we actually know about forgiveness? How do we actually know much do we know about reconciliation? We probably know a whole lot. How much do we actually know about service? How, do we actually, how much do we actually know about being a servant? And how much do we actually know about freedom from sin and what Christ has done? We probably know a whole lot, but how much are we actually taking and applying? And I think in moments where we find ourselves getting inspired, that's a good thing. When people come up to me after a Sunday and they'll say, Pastor, I was really challenged today. You stepped on my toes today, preacher. That's good. I I like hearing those things. But then the question I have for you, Christian, is what's next? What are you going to do next? Like it's good that you felt these feelings Or, man, it was so inspiring today. I I felt so inspired by this song or by this word or by something said in communion or something said in the sermon today. I was so inspired. That's great. I want you to feel inspired. I want you to feel convicted. But what are you going to do with that feeling? Oh, that was such a good word today. That gave me something to really think about today. That's awesome. That's great. I'm glad you were challenged in your thinking and you have something to think about. What are you going to do next with that thing that you're thinking about? Because we can't just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, thinking that we are mature believers because of what we know and what we've experienced. No, it's what are we actually doing that's creating fruit in our life or evidence of growth, evidence of change. Why is that information about the showbread important? How does it help me to understand more about Christ and love him more than I did before I knew that information? How, do, how does this idea of the priority of eternity and knowing what we learn about prophecy, how does that change the priorities of my life? That's the change piece. That's the part that challenges us. That's the application piece that must be present. We cannot forsake that. Because if we do, we get in this rhythm of just knowing a lot of stuff and we actually dilute Christianity into just being this moral game that we play and we think that if we have accomplished a certain degree of morality that is acceptable in society and we've accomplished a certain level of affluence in our lives that creates a comfortable life for us and we're well liked in social circles and people think well of us because of the way that we treat other people or that we've given a certain amount of time to help other people who may be less fortunate and we've done all these things and we feel like our kids are good, our marriage is good, we feel good about our then what's next I want to go deeper and sometimes people just say I've gotten comfortable with Christianity because all Christianity has become to me is just trying to be a good person in society when church it's so much more than that amen it's so much more than just being nice and good and moral there's got to be more to following Jesus than just living an upright moral life because even the world is pursuing that to their own definitions they understand let's be nice to each other Every Miss America that stands up, that, 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 that gets asked the question, what, what's one thing you want? And, oh, I want world peace, right? They all want world peace and the Save Puppies. It's just kind of their jam. And it's like what Miss America does. Everybody wants world peace at a certain level, right? A lot of people, you would ask them, yeah, I just want people to get along. I just want people to love each other. I just want people to care about each other. So that's bigger than just this one idea. Following Jesus has to be Bigger than just being a nice person and doing my part to make the world a better place. No, there's more to it than that, church. We're called to influence and impact eternity. We're called to be image bearers of Jesus Christ here on the earth, to be hands and feet of Jesus, and that requires that I change. I need to be different today than I was yesterday, amen? The word that you're hearing today needs to challenge you to actually do something because there's a disconnect sometimes. Between this idea of knowledge, like, oh impress me, preacher, tell me something I haven't heard before, or I'll go to a Bible study, impress me, give me some knowledge I didn't know before, and I go, ooh, and it tickles the senses and it makes me feel engaged because this is something new that I haven't heard before. But what have we done with what we've already heard? What have we done with what we already know? You want to go deeper? I want to go deeper. I want our church to go deeper. But going deeper requires change, and it requires us to be doers of the word because I don't want us to be just pursuing vanity in our knowledge, thinking we're something that we're not, thinking ourselves spiritual, thinking ourselves people who are pursuing Christ when is the fruit of our life actually showing that we're taking what we're hearing and learning and gathering and actually doing something with it, or are we just being puffed up with pride of knowledge? Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and in this particular letter, this is a corrective letter to the church in Corinth. And so his goal here is to help the church in Corinth see things that they aren't quite understanding because they're actually taking these liberties in Christ and they're causing division in the church. They're taking these different ideals and they're causing division. And there's a lot of confusion. And so Paul's correcting them and he systematically walks through different situations correcting them. And then in chapter 12, he begins talking to them about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he begins correcting them on this idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they had, were so excited and so passionate about these gifts of the Spirit because, man, they were outward manifestations of one's spirituality. Like some people had like this supernatural boldness. Some people had like this supernatural gift to speak in another language or other tongues. And there would be another person who would have this outward gift to be able to interpret that. And they wanted those outward gifts so people would see how spiritual... They were, And Paul corrects them on this because there were certain gifts they elevated above other gifts. And they were thinking that everybody just needs to speak in tongues. Everybody needs to do these things like me because look at how spiritual I am because I can do this. And so they were doing this and Paul's going, you guys are getting this wrong. And he corrects them because it's causing division in the body of Christ. Their pursuit of something good from God is actually causing division and confusion in the body of Christ because they're pursuing it in vain. And actually, he, he talks about this through chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. Now, if you know your Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what's that traditionally known as? Love. love chapter, the love chapter. And we pull chapter 13 out and talk about that, but you can't just pull it out without looking at the whole context. It's a sandwich going on here, right? Chapter 12, he's talking about gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14, he's talking about gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13, guess what? He's still talking about gifts of the Spirit. He didn't deviate from that. What's he saying in chapter 13 when he goes through love? He's trying to tell them, you guys have gotten off base with your pursuit because actually love anchors all of this. Love is what's going to keep you anchored and not get squirrely and veer off to the right or to the left in your pursuit of something good from God because actually love is this and love is not this. And so he begins to go through and talk about what love actually is. And if you think you're spiritual, just because you're speaking with tongues of angels, he said, and you don't have love, you're just making a bunch of noise, like clanging on a gong. And it's just like making a bunch of racket. God's not pleased. And so this is the intent of Paul. And so in chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 12, the reason he wants them to be anchored in love, the reason he wants them to understand this is because he knows how important it is for there to be unity in the body of Christ. Because if the church is really going to accomplish its goal, if the church is really gonna go deeper, they're gonna have to be together. And the enemy's trying to even use a good thing to cause division. And so this is what the Apostle Paul writes to them in chapter 12, verse 12, he says this. For just as the body is one, part of the body and it's creepy because body parts are talking verse 17 if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell but as it is god arranged underline this in your bible if you can but god but as it is god arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose i want you to think about this we'll come back to that If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So he's saying, listen, you all have different functions. Not everybody's going to have this gift. Not everybody's going to have that gift. Some people are going to be used this way. Some people are going to be used that way. And not one is more important than the other. We all need to work together because we're all one body. We all share the same spirit. That's what he's trying to help them to understand. And then he goes on in chapter 13 to talk about love being that anchoring thing. Not how much I know, not how spiritual I appear, not what I look like to others on the outside. No, it's this love for God and it's this same shared spirit that we have through Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together is him. And we prioritize and pursue connection in the body of Christ for the purpose of growing. We all are called to grow and this is why this is a priority of a Christ follower. We prioritize this, we pursue it. One of our core values here at BCC is we pursue transformation. We're pursuing growth. We're pursuing changing. We should be different people. I know that change is not fun or popular because what is fun and popular is comfort and ease. And we just want to be left alone to just go through our sacred rhythms of our comfort, what makes us feel good. And we don't ever want to be challenged to grow or to change. But... The gospel is about us conforming to the image of Christ, us pursuing this idea of this sanctification that I am growing in and becoming different, just like Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. So if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, that means I'm going to be required to change because there's things in me i got to lay down. There's ideas that I have. There's priorities that I have. There's things that I think are right, things I think are wrong. I have to lay them all down and say, God, what do you want? And I don't just do that one time and then I'm good and you're good. I do it daily. Sometimes I do it multiple times a day. So when you're inspired, good, I want you to be inspired. When you're challenged, good, I want you to be challenged. When you're when you, all pumped up after a church service on a Sunday morning, whoo, pumped up, what are you going to do with that? What's the next step for you? What is God requiring you to either begin doing or stop doing? What conversation is God putting in your heart to have with someone? What courageous step is he calling you to take? What new habit is he asking you to begin? What old habit is he asking you to lay down? What priority in your mind is he asking you to rearrange that maybe you've gotten out of order? What conversation needs to happen between you and your spouse? you and a friend, you and an old friend, you and an enemy. What is God calling you to do that is gonna cause you to grow? How is he act, asking you to behave or interact when things go your way and when things don't? You see, this is what challenges us. And for us to just go, oh, that sure was good today. Oh, I got my toes stepped on and we leave and we don't do anything different. Why? And it's not someone else that needs to be here hearing it, it's every one of us, amen? amen? It's every one of us, it's you, it's me. We all need to hear it so that we can be challenged by it so we can take that next step that God's calling us to take. Whatever that step may be and, and I'm not the Holy Spirit so I don't know what that step is. The Holy Spirit I believe is actively at work in every single believer in this place and even in the unbelievers to draw them to Jesus. And so if you're here I believe the Holy Spirit is working even now because it's interesting, man. I don't know how you guys do this. I think it's really funny when you do it. And you come up to me and you'll say like, oh, it's like you're speaking right to me today. And I'm like, and and you said this and this and this. I'm like, I don't think I said that, but that's okay. And someone will say, well, that sermon was so great. It was about this and this and this. And I'm like, that's not what the sermon was about, but I'm glad, I'm glad that's what you heard because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit filters to each individual to make the message what it needs to be, not so you can just have a feeling or have an experience, but so you can walk out and make some different decisions. So you can say yes to some things you need to say, yes to say no to some things you need to say no to. So you can embark on some things you need to embark on and take a step of faith and courage. So you can submit and release some things that you've been holding on to. You see, that's what he's calling us to do, amen? My friends, that church family, that is going deeper. That truly is going deeper. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul, same guy who wrote to the church in Corinth, writing now to the church in Ephesus, except this time his intent is different. We're going to go to chapter 4 here in just a moment. As Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, his intent here is to deal with a church that's living in the middle of sin. Like there's sin all around them and here they are trying to live for God and these people have been called away from this worship of the the perverted goddess Diana where there was a lot of perversion associated with the worship there. And so these people who are in Ephesus who are now going to church and gathering, being a part of this body and who are now Christ followers, these people came out of a lifestyle of sexual immorality these people came out of a lifestyle of sexual worship where they go to the temple and there's temple prostitutes and there's all sorts of demonic activity and now a lot of these people are following Jesus and there's some people who are talking about how you can still worship and be a part of the community and do this stuff you used to do and like have Jesus too and Paul's like trying to help correct them and help them to stay focused and he knows it's going to require something. It's not just going to require them having the right knowledge, it's going to require them having community. And so there's going to have to be community around them because there's going to be times where they're tempted because all their buddies are going to the temple of Diana and they're like, hey, you need to come with us, it's cool. And he's like, no, I I can't, I need to have accountability around me. I have to have community around me. I have to go deeper in applying this, this faith that I've now found and the things I'm learning about God and how to please him. And how that's so contradictory to the life I lived before. And so Paul's writing to this church, helping them to stay unified and helping them to stay focused on what matters. So that when those people come along who either try to preach those messages or who try to sway them, they'll stay focused and have their community of believers that will help them be lights in the darkness. And so he writes this to them and he tells them this in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He tells them, guys, we've got to walk worthy of this calling that we've been called to, So we are going to be different from what the norm is in society. We have to be eager to pursue unity because, man, there's going to be people that are going to try to come in and spread seeds and sow seeds of division among us, and we've got to be focused on preserving unity because there's an enemy who wants to try to come and pick us off. And so we're going to have to be patient with one another. We're going to have to be gentle with one another. We're going to have to be humble towards one another because we each are are at different places in our walk with God, growing and understanding things. And so we're just going to have to be more patient. We're going to have to be more humble. We're going to have to be gentle because it's more important that we stay unified because the opposite of all those things, the opposite of patience, the opposite of gentleness, the opposite of humility, that'll divide a church faster than anything. And he's saying, hey, Let's stay focused on these things because we're all called to this one spirit. It's not two different spirits. No, it's, it's one God, one Lord, one Savior, one, one spirit in us, working in us. And so let's stay together on this because this is how we walk worthy in face of all this opposition. And then let's fast forward down to verse 25 in chapter 4. He says, therefore, having put away all falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbors, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, let it be put away from you with all along with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. This is one of those things that when you read, we go, amen, I know I'm supposed to do this, but it's hard to do when you're put in a situation where you have to actually do it, right? And can I tell you that when the opportunity comes for us to be tested in this, man, it's hard because it's much easier to do the opposite because we get focused on everything else except what Jesus told us to stay anchored in. But yet, to go deeper, when those opportunities come to exercise these things, we need to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do, not what my flesh wants me to do, not what my preferences want me to do, not what my mind or my emotions may be telling me at the time. How can I live by going deeper in what I already know? It's by saying yes to these types of things because these are the things that that the Apostle Paul was trying to help them to understand. This is how you walk this out. This is how you, you live this thing out. And church, the Quad Cities is looking for something different. Looking for something different, looking for something real. The word of God is calling us to a higher standard of holiness. And that standard of holiness that we're called to is going to cost us our comfort. Jesus told us to count the cost, amen? Are we willing to exchange our comfort for the standard of holiness that God is calling us to? It's going to require us to change. That's hard. I'm going to have to say yes to what He wants me to do because the Quad City is looking for something different, something real. It's going to cost us our preferences. Because man, if I'm just seeking my preferences and that's all I'm into, and I'm just seeking my comfort and that's all I'm into, it doesn't require me to change. I don't get challenged. I don't have the opportunity of growth in that moment. I don't have the opportunity to live this out. It just becomes another thing I know. But I want to go deeper. You see, it's going to require that we get more connected. It's going to require that we get more committed. For us to be healthy, for us to be unified, and for us to be effective as a church, we must fervently reject consumerism. And we must prioritize unity. We must prioritize serving one another. We must prioritize loving one another. Because there is power in prioritizing what God says is most important. You know this? You know, there's power in prioritizing what God says is most important. What did God say is most important? What did Jesus Christ say when he was asked, hey, Jesus, what's most important out of everything that's written in the Old Testament? What's the most important? Jesus says, oh, these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second one is really similar to it. It's just love your neighbor as yourself. These two things, he said, everything else actually hangs on this. All the other things you're trying to do right. So don't get things out of order. Like these things actually flow out of that. So these are the two. He says this stuff's important. So we have to fervently reject this idea of consumerism and our priorities and our preferences and our comfort. And we must seek the ideas that God wants us to. Because people have this idea that church is just supposed to be about what I want. Instead of this connection and this commitment, this community, you remember what we read earlier, where the apostle Paul he said God places you in the body where He wants you, and so instead of me seeking to be plugged in in the church where I'm comfortable and where all my preferences and all my needs are met, instead, what if we said, God, where do you want me? God, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to be plugged in? That's the better question to ask. That's why this idea of like church shopping, looking for my preferences, it's an unbiblical idea. Instead, it should be, God, where do you want me? And how do I get plugged in? How do I get connected? How do I get committed? Because if I'm supposed to be growing, listen to me, if I'm supposed to be growing, then seeking something that makes me comfortable to fit all of my wants isn't gonna cause much growth. It's like seeking a gym that has a pizza buffet and personal trainers who don't push you all that hard. There will be growth there, but it will not be a healthy kind of growth. Because if you're seeking the pizza buffet and the trainers who don't push you all that hard, I mean, somebody's gonna come up with that idea if they haven't already, because it's gonna get more money and more, more people coming in, because, oh, this is a great gym. I can have my pizza, and I can have, you know, not being pushed too hard, and I can have a gym membership and feel better about myself. But am I really going to get healthier? Am I really going to have opportunity to grow there? Am I really going to get the information that I need? Because I don't think a lot of healthy change and a lot of healthy growth is going to happen there. But there are some times that God calls us to be parts of uh, different parts in the body of Christ. And sometimes people leave church and sometimes that stuff happens. And we've seen that and we've experienced that in our lives. I mean, if you've been around that. Uh, If you've been around church very long, you've experienced that. And there are biblical reasons for people to do that. And I want to give those to you this morning. There's there's four. I did a lot of research because I wanted to make sure that these are accurate. And I think there's four reasons I could find in the Bible for someone leaving a church and connecting to another body. The first one is this, false teaching. Do not go to a church where there's false teaching. Amen? Amen? And so you need to weigh out the teaching. Is this biblical? Is this grounded? Is this fluff? Is this just something that... Is is, is there compromise there? Or is this truly biblically grounded teaching from the Bible? That's why one of our core values at BCC is we start with Scripture. Amen? Because we want everything we do to start with Scripture. And we try to give a lot of Scripture here at BCC because we don't want to be people who are teaching another gospel as if there was another gospel. The second thing would be that sin is permitted or not dealt with. So if people are sweeping sin under the rug and they're not dealing with it and it's just permitted and allowed, That's unhealthy and there's serious compromise there and that would be a reason. The third thing is that the church is not pursuing the Great Commission. If the church doesn't talk about the Great Commission, if they're not pursuing it, if there's no action behind it, if you're not seeing that, then that church is not a New Testament church. That church doesn't have the right priorities. Maybe at one time they did and they've drifted, but at the same time they should be pursuing and actively talking about and, and structuring around the Great Commission. And then the fourth thing is that perhaps God's calling you to a different season of ministry. That's why my, my family and I left our church in Wisconsin. Not because we were upset. There was nothing negative around that transition at all. It was just time for us to move to a different season of ministry. And you can see in scripture where there are many people who are moved around for different seasons of ministry. So, And even if those four apply or one of those four scenarios that are biblically based, biblically grounded, even if they apply... Has Matthew 18 about the scripture concerning reconciliation and healthy forgiveness and unity, have those been exercised with those in authority to make sure that you preserve unity in the body? Those things must be done because this thing that God calls church, it's his church, amen? And it's bigger than you and it's bigger than me. And it's bigger than our preferences, it's bigger than my likes and my dislikes, it's bigger than all of the things that we would experience. And I have to ask myself, God, or perhaps you calling me to actually implement the things that you have taught me and showed me in the things that I've learned because it's causing me to change. And, and oh man, that's hard, that's hard. Because sometimes, man, when I'm lifting those weights, those weights are heavy and, and my muscles get sore, right? I don't like this, but it's causing growth. It's causing me to change, it's causing me to actually apply the things I know. Because what's better just to know a lot of things about like how to get in shape how to live a healthy lifestyle, are actually taking that information and applying it. You see, it's one thing to just understand it, and, and I try to preach the word in a way where we can understand it. And I try to share the gospel in a way that we can understand it, because I don't believe God gave us the word to confuse us. Amen? I don't believe God said, I'm gonna play a big joke on people and give them 66 books of confusion. No, I believe God wants us to understand it, but more important than just understanding it, I believe God wants us to understand it so we can take that next step. And that next step is that we actually apply it and that we live it out. And so in your pursuit of knowledge, yeah, man, I want us pursuing knowledge, but I don't want the end of knowledge to be knowledge. I want it to turn into application because I want BCC, and I believe God wants BCC, to be a church that just doesn't get inspired and challenged on a Sunday morning or in a small group or in a Bible study, but we take that inspiration, that challenge, and we actually apply it to our lives. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit speaking to you today to change or that's being challenged. I don't know. But I do know that for us to be unified, for us to move forward in the spirit of grace and unity, is God calling us here, as he's called us to be a part of this. He's calling us to commit and connect and go deeper together. Because we are connected. We are committed. We are protecting unity because transformation is our pursuit. So even through all the challenges we face, God can still help us to grow. Here's our big idea for today. Growing deeper in Christ requires connection, commitment, and change. And you know it's true because it's alliteration, three C's. If it rhymes or if it's alliteration, it's true. In church, no. It used to be if it was an acrostic, but we kinda don't do that much anymore. That was, a, that was not a good joke, I'm sorry. But growing deeper in Christ does require this, and it doesn't just require it of one or two of us, it requires all of us, amen? All of us, growing deeper. Man, I wanna go deeper, and do you wanna go deeper, church? I I wanna go deeper, but it requires a few things of us. It requires more than us just saying it and hearing stuff in the Bible that makes us go, oh wow, I never heard it that way before. It's good when you say that, I'm not against that, I wanna have those moments but it requires more than that. It requires us to answer the question, okay, now what? Now what? Because it requires us to be connected more than we are, it requires that we're gonna be committed more than we are, and it requires that we change more than we want to. So Lord, help us to be committed, help us to connect, help us to change and embrace those things because there is power in prioritizing the things that God says are most important, amen? So many churches get off track because they begin prioritizing things that don't really matter all that much to God. They chase fads. They chase tickling ears and saying things that people just want to hear. They chase after whatever's the, the, the newest, greatest thing that is gonna entertain people. But if we're pursuing truth, if we're pursuing Christ-centered community, if we're pursuing impacting eternity beyond our lifetime, if we're pursuing, connecting, growing, serving, if we're pursuing these things that are important to God, there is power in that. But it's going to require a deeper commitment. It's going to require a deeper connection to each other and to God. It's going to require change. And that's hard. But I believe that it's worth it. Amen? So, We will see the power of God work in our lives and in our church family here at BCC. Not just in our families and in our communities and in our neighborhoods, but all over the Quad Cities. I believe all over the world. So how do we go deeper? We pursue that transformation and we say yes to the change God's calling us to. So let's pray about this. God, I don't know what you're challenging each person to do today. I don't know what your Holy Spirit is speaking to individuals. And maybe even some people that don't know you, you're drawing them to you. And maybe today is the day of their salvation where they put their hope and trust in Jesus, where they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord. And they turn from their sin and they say, I want you to be the leader of my life, Jesus, the Lord of my life. Maybe that's the thing you're calling someone to today by the power of your spirit. Maybe someone in this room is having a transformational experience that's not only impacting their life now, but that's impacting their eternity. Lord, maybe there's others of us here today that you're challenging us with our sin. You're challenging us with things we need to give up, things that we've been off base with, with our priorities things that we've spoken or not spoken, things that we've done or haven't done, things that need to happen that the courage or the humility needs to be present for them to happen. So Holy Spirit, I pray you help us do those things by by letting this be more than just another sermon on a Sunday. By letting this be more than just another gathering on a Sunday morning. But letting this be a moment of decision where the inspiration of the Spirit, where the conviction of the Spirit, where the illumination of the Spirit or the illumination of your word that's caused our hearts to be a little bit more softened today, that's caused our eyes to be a little bit more open today, that's caused our minds to be a little bit more renewed today, that it translates into that next step that it translates into action. And so we humble ourselves before you today. We humble our ideas, our our wants, our preferences. We humble our emotions before you, our mindsets, our priorities to your word and to the leading of your spirit. And may we be people of action. Let us not leave this place today the same way we walked in. We want to change. We want to connect. We want to commit. Help us to do those things by your grace, by your mercy, and by your spirit in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at BettendorfCC.com. Have a great day.